Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew 4, verses 12 through 23. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region and the shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And as they went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. May God add a blessing to this reading of the text and cause it to be the inspired word for us today. In our text today, we are told in Matthew, that after John's arrest, John the Baptist got arrested, and you'll probably hear about that next week. I should say I'm I'm going out of order from what we should do. Uh, Normally this would be the baptism of Jesus on this Sunday, but we're saving that until the 26th because we're going to be baptizing a couple of people on the 26th, so you're going to want to show up for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, so we're saving the baptism text for that week. So everything's going to be a little bit out of order. So next week, you're going to hear about John getting arrested, probably. I'm not going to promise that. I don't, who knows what Mary's going to do. But uh, <clears throat> you'll hear about John getting arrested. And what we're told today in Matthew's text is that Jesus takes up Matthew's, or, uh, John's ministry from that point on. First of all, he leaves town. Not probably because he doesn't want to get arrested himself. And then he begins to uh, declare the same things that John was saying. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And so he picks up kind of where John left off. And I should point out uh, that in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew refers to the kingdom of heaven where John and, and Luke and Mark, they all refer to the kingdom of God. Uh, very differently. I should say that they're interchangeable. There's uh, really no difference. So I don't want to, I want to be clear that Matthew is not talking about the place we go after we die. But Matthew is talking about the here and now, uh, as N.T. Wright puts it, talking about God's sovereign rule coming on earth as it is in heaven right now. And so when Matthew says, Uh, has Jesus proclaiming the kingdom of heaven is near. They're talking about God's control of the world we live in, not just control of heaven and where we go 
after we draw after we die and so to begin his ministry Jesus extends the invitation to come follow me Jesus to some key figures here Peter or who's called Simon here Andrew James and John the sons of Zebedee each one a fisherman which was actually pretty good work uh, we think of it as not so great but it was actually pretty lucrative in fact Peter owned a pretty big house and it became the headquarters of the the Jesus movement or the ministry that Jesus started there in Capernaum and uh, so it was it wasn't a shabby gig uh, to be doing uh, uh, to be a fisherman but they dropped all that and the Bible tells us they immediately they dropped their nets and followed Jesus never to return again and I'm sure that was much to the chagrin of Zebedee who was left standing there holding all these nets going where are you going what is, what's going on with that but they left and followed Jesus and I guess today I wish to ask the question why follow Jesus why drop your nets why what is so compelling about Jesus Christ that might cause one to immediately shift their life direction midstream and become an apprentice, a disciple to this itinerant street preacher and healer, this Jewish mystic who has transformed the world in such profound ways. In other words, why Jesus? And perhaps this is one of those rare occasions when you get from Pastor Curtis a very evangelical sermon that is persuading you that following Jesus is going to be a good thing for all of us to do. So, why Jesus? And, and I want to start by kind of talking about some of the bad reasons to follow. There are, bad re- there are good reasons to follow Jesus. And there are bad reasons to follow Jesus. The the bad reasons are, for example, because you're afraid you'll go to hell if you don't. Right? That That is a terrible reason. That is a threatening and frightening and scary way to follow Jesus. And in fact, so much did Jesus want to dissuade that notion that Jesus basically said, you know what? You're forgiven. Before you even need to worry about whatever it is that you're worried about, whatever you think is coming between you and God's love, you're forgiven. So now let's talk about what we're going to do now that that is taken care of. Jesus did not want the threat of hell looming over our heads. And that's a terrible reason to follow Jesus. And I'm here to tell you right now, I don't think you're going to hell if you don't follow Jesus myself people would disagree however i think they're beyond that i mean it's a it's a it's an important thing for me to point that out to say what if to ask this question what if heaven was not the point what if i declared here today because you know i have that kind of thing going (laughs) what if i declared to you today you don't have to worry about hell you're all going to heaven done would there still be any reason 
to follow Jesus and to pattern one's life after it? Is it all about where we go after this life? Or is there something else? And I want to say, I think there's something else. And in fact, I think there's something that's even more compelling because, you know, the threat of hell can only get you so far. So, you know, I think there's something even more compelling, more dramatic, more life-transforming than where you go when you die. And I guess that's kind of where I'm going with this sermon, right? Here's another bad reason. Because you're seeking to be pious or perfect or better than everybody else, right? Or you're seeking, you're seeking piety. If you think that if you think that following Jesus is ultimately about making sure that all the rules are followed so that you are coming out looking great and looking pious and hanging on to that, if you think that's what that's all about, that is not at all what Jesus was about. In fact, Jesus tells a story about a guy who thought he was so great. And his prayer was to God, thank God, Lord, that I follow the commandments and that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, not like this guy pointing to a Samaritan uh, or a, a Sadducee tax collector sitting there. Thank goodness I'm not like this guy. Thank goodness I'm more like what you want me to be like, God, and, and following all the rules and being so pious. But in that story, the righteous one is the tax collector who goes before God and says, have mercy on me, a sinner. And that's the hero, not this guy. So if you think it's about piety, it's not. And thank God, because we're not very good at it. I've, I've seen you all on the weekends. We're not, we're not really great at the piety, right? Especially us Baptists here. We, we, can, we don't even pretend well, right? I mean, some you know, we come in... I won't say who, but someone told me they're sitting in the pew with a hangover this morning. <laughs> we're not even good. Who would tell that to their pastor, right? <laughs> because we're not into the piety, right? We're not into the piety. Because that's not what it's about. It's not about the piety. And here's another bad reason to follow Jesus. Because you want to fit in. Because everyone else is following Jesus. Well, you know, that's a dumb reason to uh, follow Jesus, and I don't even need to explain that. You know that's a silly reason to follow Jesus. And you want, quite frankly, if you're following Jesus the way Jesus wants you to follow Jesus, you won't fit in. You'll stick out like a like an ugly sore thumb. So that's a lousy reason to follow Jesus. So here's some good reasons to follow Jesus. First of all, and and I think here's the thing: is I would love to boil this down to really simple things. But it's not simple. Faith is not simple. Following Christ is not a simple concept. It's complex. It's multifaceted. It's an onion that you've got to peel away. But uh, Jesus, in who Jesus is, as presented to us in the Gospel, demonstrates what it means to live out the Kingdom of Heaven that Matthew has been talking about in this Gospel. What does it mean when you say, you know, it's a good question to ask, what is this kingdom of God you're talking about? What does that look like? And Jesus demonstrates that over and over again. That the kingdom of heaven that is near, that is brought into focus by Jesus Christ is a kingdom where the blind see, where the, hear, where the deaf can hear, where the, the downtrodden are lifted up, 
where the, the mighty are brought down low, where the afflicted are comforted, and where the comfortable are afflicted. It's a world that is turned upside down, but ultimately it's a place where we acknowledge one another's worth and worthiness. It's a place where love abounds between one another. It's a place where everyone is worthy of dignity and acknowledgement and understanding. Uh, We see it over and over again as Jesus touches the leper, speaks to the Samaritan woman, spends time playing with children, uh, confronts the Pharisees, gives ear to the one Pharisee that wants to talk to him in the dead of night, but calls him on his stuff. The one who forgives the thief hanging on the cross. And the one who challenges the rich man to give up everything and to follow Him. And the one who makes fisher, fishermen uh, great theologians and thinkers about God. That's, so Jesus demonstrates for us, gives us a taste of what God would love this world to look like. And it's a world that doesn't include just a few, but includes all of us. Amen? Here's another reason to follow Jesus. Because Jesus in John, it tells us, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And it goes on to say, no one comes through the Father but through Me. Now a lot of people have said, looked at that and said, well that means you have to pray the, Jesus, the, the sinner's prayer and become a card-carrying you know, a disciple of Jesus in the right church. And I, I, that is not, that shows a little bit of a misunderstanding about how John has structured his gospel. You see, in John, Jesus represents something quite powerful. That is the incarnation of God in the person Jesus Christ. And by that, I mean, you know, a lot of faith traditions, including the Jewish one we come out of, the, the, for the Jews, God's revelation comes through the Torah. For, the, for the, uh, the Muslim, it comes through the Quran. Through many other faiths, it comes through the writings. Christianity, uh, what Chris, makes Christianity a little bit unique is that God's revelation comes through a person. Jesus Christ. Now, it gets complicated because we wrote everything down, right? And so then again, we're in a book. But, but it, what John is trying to convey in his gospel is that who Jesus is, is God revealing God's self to you and me in fullness. In other words, everything we ever need to know about Yahweh, about God, is brought to us in Christ for us who follow Jesus. So, uh, so when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, what Jesus is saying is, by following Me, you are following God. By looking to Me and the things that I have done and the things that I have said and the way 
I have said them and structured uh, the life of, of, of discipleship around me. By following that way, you are following God. And you will find your way to the Father. In Mark, the way, when Jesus says, I am the way, when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, what, what Mark means is follow Jesus. And John means this too, is why I bring it up. When you, whenever it's said, Jesus is the way, what they're talking about, the way they're talking about is following Jesus through death into new life. And Mark meant that literally because some of his people were dying uh, because of their faith. And so when, Jesus, when Mark says, take up your cross and follow me, what Mark is saying, follow Jesus into death and then follow Christ into new life in resurrection. And what Jesus represents, the revelation to us in Jesus hanging on a cross, rising on the third day, is the way from an old life into new life. And so why follow Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life? Because Jesus points us from an old way of being into a new, resurrected way of being. We can die to an old self and be born again into a new self, a new creation. In other words, we can start over. We can try again. We are not the sum of our shortcomings and our misgivings and our mistakes and our stumblings. That is not who we are. You know what? God knows that. God understands that better than we do ourselves. And so what God says is die to that old self. And come and experience what real life was all about and is all about. Here's another reason to follow Jesus. Jesus is all about reconciliation. Jesus is all about reestablishing the kind of relationship with God that God really wants us to have. Something got lost. Something was missing. You know, I love the Old Testament. I know a lot of people have issues with the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament because people are real with God. It's like they have this real intimate relationship with God. Moses goes to God every day and says, God, these people are making me crazy. I wish you would just smite them. And then God says, oh, Moses, it's okay. We're going we're gonna to work with them a little bit. It'll be okay. I wish you'd just smite them. They're making me crazy. No, 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 no. That would be, that would be drastic. We wouldn't want to do that. And then the next day, God comes and says, Moses, I'm smiting these people. They're making me crazy. And Moses is going, no, 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 no. Wait a minute, God. <laughs> Let's not be hasty. You know, I just, I just got everyone lined up. You know, we don't want to be hasty and all this kind of thing. So they have this real relationship. Jeremiah, Jeremiah had no problem getting mad at, at God and yelling at God. Call, J- Jeremiah said in, in uh, I think, 20, he said, you have deceived me and I have been deceived. God, Jeremiah calls God a liar to God's face. You're a liar. You lied to me. Look what I'm doing here. What is the matter with you? Have you lost your mind? 
That's the kind of relationship they had with God back then. And, and then something happened between the Testaments. By the time we get to the New Testament, God is so far away that we have to name angels who kind of run back and forth and carry our conversations. And God is so crazy that, that Matthew doesn't even want to call it the kingdom of God because he's afraid to say God's name. That's not the kind of relationship God wants to have. And so here we have Jesus who gives us this personage we can we can relate to this person who represents the incarnation of god that is all of god's fullness becoming human so that we could say oh i i get it i get that's you and you know what it is to be me and we all of a sudden we can talk to god again and we can get angry at god look what's the matter with you look at this mess i'm in help me and we can praise god oh thank you so much i would be so lost without your love and your grace and we can have that reconciled relationship that god wanted so badly so badly the other thing is this reconciliation between you and me right between people um, we don't always get along, people, right? Because, you know, there's personality clashes. There's some of you are mean, right? And some of us are, you know, we make bad jokes at your expense, and that's not very nice. And so, I mean, we have these obstacles, we have these hurdles to get over between us. And the most poignant, the most significant, the most fervent prayer Jesus prayed in John 14 was God make them one as you and I are one may they be one together and Jesus said this this is how the world will know that they follow me is if they can get over all the things that conspire to tear them apart if they can get past the the meanness if they can get past the the you know they're annoying and and they're this or if they can get past you know i'm shy and they're crazy and if they can get past all of that and recognize that you are worthy of my love and that we have something to give to one another and that we cannot make it without each other then the world will know that it's got to be God at work in your life. It's got to be because of Jesus' influence in your life. If you, can get, if, you know, if you can come together, you who are so different from one another, if we can find a way to be one, it's gotta, it points to the greatness of God. You all have your own reasons. And maybe you're wondering, why should I pattern my life after this person? Why should I follow you, Jesus? And beyond the biblical reasons, we all have our personal reasons. And I can tell you right now, now I'm getting personal. I wouldn't be who I am if not for who Jesus is in my life. And I know it's cliche and it's evangelical even. And, and it, it, to me, it, it even makes my 
I, I get bristles sometimes when I hear people say this so flippantly, but I can tell you that for me, Jesus is a personal Savior. That is, I feel like who I was was saved by the person Jesus in my life who, who taught me to be who I am. And when I'm not being who I am, Jesus calls me back and says, come follow me. Stop following dot, dot, dot. You fill in the blank. Come back to me because you know I love you. And you know you're better when you're with me. You all have your own reasons. I invite you to explore them. And to hear that invitation that comes from Jesus Christ today. Come follow me. And that comes with a promise that God will provide everything you need to be the best version of yourself. To be that person that God sees in your heart that maybe you strain to see most of the time. Let us pray. Great and loving God, the One who knows us better than we know ourselves and You love us anyway. Thank You. Help us to know how to follow Your Son Jesus, to pattern our lives after who He is and has been. May we seek every day anew to be Your apprentice, Your disciple in this. We ask this in the precious and powerful name of Christ. Amen.